Episode 12 of the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life, it's unpredictable. Some players end up in the pyramids, some don't. Talk to a State Farm agent. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. You know what's unexpected? The Cleveland Cavaliers coming from 3-1 down to win the 2006 title. We're about to talk about this with Brian Winhorst. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. State Farm. Meanwhile, Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is like a premium espresso machine, but it makes cocktails instead. The Home Bar Pods are made with premium spirits, real ingredients, and natural flavors. What a great place to get a cranberry and vodka, or as Kyle calls it, a cranberry and vodka. I call it a vodka cranberry. You changed my mind on it. Uh, bar quality cocktails, freshly made at the push of a button. Go to drinkworks.com. Use my code BOB at checkout to save $100 off standard website price and get free shipping. Please enjoy responsibly. It's currently available in California, New York, Florida, Missouri, Pennsylvania, and Illinois. More states available for pre-sale today at drinkworks.com. Uh, we're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find the Bill Simmons Podcast. That's mine. The Rewatchables, also mine as well as the Ringer NBA show if you love basketball. J.J. Reddick's podcast is coming back in January, and Vince Carter's podcast is thriving right now, winging it. Uh, check all those out. Coming up, my old ESPN cohort, Brian Winhorst. He's on here to discuss the most important game of the 2010s. He knows a little something about LeBron James. He's only written two books about him and covered him for about 20 years. But we were going to talk about that. My name is Bill Simmons. This is The Book of Basketball. Book of Basketball 2.0, Game of the Decade, Game 7, 2016 Finals. I'm here with Brian Winhorst. I'm going to read something that I wrote for my HBO show that's now gone. But it's a really interesting reread for a lot of reasons because I had forgotten until I watched this game and until I read what I wrote here, just how amazing this was. That was such a crazy year. All these things, the Cubs won the World Series, Trump mm -hmm. got elected. I mean, there 90 things are going on. This was amazing. And I actually thought the game of the decade would be game six, 2013 Spurs Heat, but it's not. It has to be this game. Anyway, here's what I wrote. LeBron James pulled off the impossible in those last three NBA Finals games. So many legacy-altering achievements that we literally couldn't keep track of all of them. He brought Cleveland its first title since 1964 and proved emphatically that God does not hate Cleveland. <laughs> Do we believe that? We no. don't. He definitely doesn't. Okay. Wait till Lindor gets traded. <laughs> he brought real joy to Cleveland, a city conditioned to reject happiness like That's it's a true. bad kidney transplant. That's true. He took Jose Mesa, Tony Fernandez, Craig Elo, and Ernest Biner off the hook. He assassinated the NBA's greatest season ever, the Warriors going for 89 wins, and swayed America to kind of sort of turn against the Currys, which has changed a little bit since, but... He played the greatest three-game final stretch I've ever seen, fully realizing his potential as Bird 2.0 crossed with Magic 2.0, crossed with Bo, crossed with Scotty, crossed with Mailman, crossed with what the fuck is going on? He delivered on the outlandish promise of a championship, 
putting him in the conversation as Mark Messier, Ali, and Namath, and hopefully not Donald Trump. I was wrong on that one. <laughs> LeBron also reclaimed his title as the NBA's best player, claiming that he never took it personally after we tossed him aside for Steph. He did take it personally today. Absolutely. He did admit during those playoffs that he'd been listening to Jay-Z's A Star Is Born for Motivation. Have you listened to that song? It's Jay-Z relishing how his rivals come and go. He even raps, quote, I'm the blueprint, I'm the map for him. And quote, I am one of one. Can't you see how long my run? I'm going to say LeBron did take it personally. He played the finals like he'd been listening to Hit Him Up or No Vaseline. And here's another thing he did. Since around 2007, and I'd written this a bunch of times, we'd been expecting him to deliver one of the great basketball highlights of all time. It was always in play. Never knew what it was. Was he going to dunk from the foul line to win a game? What, what was it going to be? Two minutes left in game seven, it happened. If you thought a real human being could never reenact the greatest block by Teen Wolf, think again, because he <laughs> did. So yeah, LeBron did the impossible. He made history by bringing the Cavs back from 3-1 down. He made us like and respect someone from Duke, Kyrie Irving. That mm. happened. Kyrie's from Duke, technically. Yeah, no, he's definitely- He was there for a year. Are you kidding me? He's, he's Duke blue. Yeah, he's definitely do. <laughs> he helped J.R. Smith become a sympathetic figure. That was amazing. That was amazing. He got Kevin Love to play great defense on a huge possession, which might have been crazier than the actual title. And now we can say definitively, remember I'm writing this in 2016, that LeBron's first 13 NBA seasons were greater than anyone else's first 13 seasons. So now going forward, you would say his first 15 seasons were greater. Last year, it starts to dip a little. Mm -hmm. Four MVPs, three finals MVPs, six straight finals, eventually became eight, and nine straight first-team All-NBAs, one historic comeback, one regenerated hairline. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the most durable NBA superstar ever. Up until 2016, he's never suffered a major injury. In 2016, he played 199 of 199 possible playoff games, 47,000 minutes in 13 seasons. Only Wilt Chamberlain had had a bigger workload in his first 13 years. He was going against scrawny white guys. LeBron, on pace to become the GOAT, like for real. It's down to him, MJ, and Russell. He'd already passed Kareem. He even passed my heroes, Bird and Magic. They never saved an entire city, right? Well, remember the 2016 finals as his basketball bar mitzvah. This is his 13th season. When LeBron said recently, for 13 years, I've put everything in this game. I've been a topic of conversation for 13 years. Actually, you know this better than anyone, Brian Windhorst. He's been a topic of conversation since 2001. LeBron was labeled the next MJ as a junior in high school when he was two years older than my daughter is right now. At 16 years old, LeBron's been around for so long that he appeared on Total Request Live and he survived the Hummer <laughs> scandal. <laughs> He's That's assumed right. every conceivable identity, prodigy, savior, alpha dog, trader, villain, hero, and now legend. And we're used to watching child celebrities fuck up or become total weirdos. For every Taylor Swift or Justin Timberlake or Ron Howard, you have 20 Michael Jacksons or Macaulay Culkins. It's never a good idea to give a teenager that much money, acclaim, and fame as Screech would tell you. <laughs> but LeBron handled everything like a champ, except for one inexplicable capital D decision. He delivered on every ounce of hype since he was 16. And now, I'm writing this in 2016, can he become the NBA's greatest player ever? Stay tuned. 
For now, he's definitely our greatest normal child celebrity. He's definitely our captain if aliens show up and challenge us to a basketball game. And he definitely saved Cleveland and a huge chunk of Ohio, too. What, like 50% of Ohio? 70%? Of what? When he won the title. 70% of Ohio? It was a large part All of, of Ohio? Yeah, I mean- Most of Ohio. Not just Ohio, but- The Midwest? Underdogs anywhere. Okay. For the Rust Belt. Well, kudos to you, LeBron James. As your friend Jay-Z would say, you really are a one of one. All right, you're here. You've known him since he was how old? Um, 20 years. I've known him since he was 14. Ninth grade. Uh, yeah, I actually, it was 20 years to the day. I, um, I, wa I went to his first game in 1999, and 20 years to the day, I went to Bronny James' game the other day at Sierra Canyon. Oh, you went to Sierra Canyon? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. 20 years. I didn't realize it was until after. Until after. Um, but yeah, so 20 years. Then 25 years from now, you'll be going to LeBron the Third's game. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be in Mars, on our new high school in Mars. <laughs> LeBron's going to still be playing. Um, <laughs> I'm not really good out. Uh, yeah, 20 years. And, you know, you talk about the other game that was in, in, in contention, the other game of the decade. He was right in the thick of that, too. I mean, you know, he's... He's been in the thick of it for a long time. What's I went back and watched a lot of like the mini movies on on NBA uh, on their YouTube channel and a whole bunch of stuff. Read a bunch of things. I think one of the things that stands out to me as as we get some distance from 2016 is the leadership and just like he seems like a man in the finals. Even in Miami, 2012, we get to that thing. It's like, ah, are we sure it's in him? And we get to that famous game six in Boston. And he has kind of this breakthrough with those guys trying to bully him. And then it carries over into the finals. But even when we're in the finals, it's like, ah, can he do it? Does he have it in him? And then we get through 2013. They have that unbelievable season, the winning streak. But then they really almost lose to the Spurs and should have. Then they lose to them the next year. Then in 15 in the finals, 16, there was a presence about him. And we're going to talk about it a little bit, but there's this great video after game six when he's like the real LeBron. Because we see like media LeBron when we see the interviews, but we see him talking to the team and he's like, we're, fu we're fucking in their heads now. We have them. And it just seems like he became a galvanizing force then. I'm not sure he was at his other stops. What did you see from afar? There was a time where we weren't sure whether LeBron was going to play well in, in playoff games. Yeah. Finals games. Like there was like, will LeBron bring it tonight or not? 2011 finals, uh, even 2012, um, where he won the MVP. That was he played well, but he wasn't like other level. From 2013 on, and then by the time you get to 15, 16, the 2017 finals or 2018 finals, his last one in Cleveland. I mean, he's playing unbelievable till he broke his hand on the board. Yeah, he always plays well in every of these games. I mean, you can you look at different layers and say, well. He, you know, he didn't he didn't shoot as well in this game or in this game he had eight turnovers or whatever, but the overall level, I mean, I have, I can't really defend it, so I don't want to stay on this too hard, but everybody remembers 2007, this first year they went to the finals. Yeah. The game five in Detroit. The 48 special. 48 special. I can argue that that is no longer one of his top eight or nine performances um, and go back and look at it. Um, it's a terrible game. It's a terrible game. The way the Pistons um, played back then, the way the game was played, 
um, it was brilliant. And it was brilliant because we hadn't seen him do that before. But when you go look at his body of work, it in my mind, it, it doesn't even rank in the top five. And I could, if I really spent a long time getting into it, I could probably rank it. And I kind of did it loosely. I think I found like seven or eight that I would say were better. And that was, you know, at the time, like one of the greatest performances of all time in the playoffs. And I think he uh, he has normalized greatness so much in the finals that we we, we lose track of some of these games that he had. And you, when you go back and look at his performances, like pick out some finals game in 2014, you're like, wow, I forgot about that one. This some game in two, oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, I forgot about that. One. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had a triple double on that one. His body of work, just in the finals alone, is spectacular now. And that what didn't used to necessarily be the case when he first started off. He didn't play well in his first finals at all. He didn't play well in his second finals with the Heat. You know, there was a lot of duds in there. And so for, for, for him to move on, like you said, by 2016, he was fully formed. 07, that 48 special. The significance of it outweighs the actual performance. But in the moment, it was one of the most exciting moments of the century because we'd wanted it so bad for four years with him, really five, dating back to when he was a junior when the hype really started. But you never know if somebody has it or not. Kobe yeah. had a similar moment when Shaq fouled out in game four of the 2000 finals. And it would have been 2-2 if they lost that game, 2-2 in the finals. And Kobe went to another level in the overtime. And it was like, this is great. It's in there. We hoped it was in there, yeah. but it was in there. And I, I feel like that's what the 48 special was for LeBron. But it really wasn't until the the Boston game in 2012 that I felt like it 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 tilted. Oh. And then it was like, okay, we're good. Right. I mean, he's fine. I mean, that performance was higher on the list. Yeah. I mean, the best game I ever saw him play, I've talked about this before, was game one of the 2018 finals. That's the best game I've ever seen anyone play. That was amazing. That was the best individual performance I've ever seen in person. I'm sure there's been better games I watched maybe on TV. I don't know. I mean, but that, in person, I was that like, this playoff, is amazing. Okay, remember, he, he plays 82 games in the regular season. Yeah. Wins a game at the buzzer in the first round series against the Pacers, which they win in seven. Wins game seven. In the conference finals... Uh, he won, then he won a game at the buzzer against Toronto in the second round where he broke, he pretty much broke the Raptors. Yeah. Um, then in the conference finals in, it's against Boston, he wins a game seven on the road. Jeff Green has a performance of his life, but he's, so to get to the finals, he's won two Jeff game Green. sevens, hit two buzzer beaters, not like made a jumper with 12, 12 seconds off that held up, like hit shots at the buzzer to win games. In the Indiana series, that was seven game series. They, they would have lost. And so that playoff run, I argue, was his greatest performance. And if he doesn't punch the board. Now, his hand wasn't cracked in 11 places. He could still play. But if you go look at his production, game two onward, it went straight down. He, he I also think player. that the series was over when they lost that game, whether he's hurt or not. Which is because, why he was so upset. Yeah, because it's a seven-game series. Their best chance, this, this is going to sound like a cliche, but just follow me out. Their best chance is to win four games to three. They're not winning four games to two. They're not winning four games to one. Right. Their best chance is seven Steel. games are played and they manage somehow to win four. Steel. Yeah. So they won game one and then they lost it. You know, it's so now it's like you almost have to win five games out of seven to win. It. It's like worked. mentally he knew. Which he knew the math wasn't there. It wasn't so happening. So it's interesting that you mentioned Tony Fernandez in the opening here. Tony Fernandez, in my mind, his error in the 1997 World Series was worse than the Buckner error. Dramatically worse than the Buckner error. Number one is game seven. Yeah. Game seven, not game six, game seven. 
And the thing about it is, if Buckner fields the ball and steps on first, the game goes to, the game goes to extra innings. And we're still losing. I We'd mean, used all our pitchers. Just, We'd like, already blown it. Yeah. Tony Fernandez, who was great in that whole playoff run, I won't go on a whole thing about that. Tony Fernandez gets off in history. Okay. George Hill missed the free throw. Right. That JR rebounded. Yeah. JR is the meme forever. And rightfully so. But George Hill missed the free throw. Um, it wasn't as boneheaded as JR, but George it's Hill's so funny. Case. It's so funny how some things stick and other things don't because LeBron's 2011 finals became iconic for, oh my God, what happened to this guy? And especially game four and JJ Barea and all that stuff. Curry's terrible in the game we're about to talk about. That's right. He is kind of shockingly terrible. And we did a pyramid podcast a few weeks ago about him, me and uh, Rosillo, and we talked about him. We talked about how that he wasn't good in this game. And then watching every second, I was like, wow, this is a freaking stink bomb. And he's done enough over the last few years that it's not brought up that much. But some things stick, other things don't. Um, with the LeBron thing, though, was there ever a moment when you thought maybe, maybe this doesn't happen the way we thought? When they went, because I was there in 2011, where I was like, it might have been too much. We might have, there might be too much scrutiny, and we might actually be breaking him a little bit here. When uh, when he went down three two in 2012 to the Celtics, um, I remember Doc. I remember walking off the court, and Doc was just like, "We got him." We got him, you know, because they had lost the year before, 4-1. Yeah. And it was like, well, the Celtics are over with. And the Celtics had kind of come back. They retrofitted their team a little bit. and um, That was when Wade broke Rondo's elbow. That's that, the 4-1 year. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, that, was, that slipped in the cracks of history. Dwayne, I remember being at Emerson the next day, and I watched the video over and over and over and over. And I, I remember thinking, could I be his defense attorney here? Could I defend this? And Dwayne got mad at me. I was pressing him on it. And he, he I still remember he got mad at me for asking the question. But um, yes, yeah, so I remember um, when they, I remember being in Miami, walking off the court, them going down 3-2 and thinking that they're not going to win it again. Because I, 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 I did not think they would, I did not think they would win in Boston. I flew back for that game. I ended up writing about it. I thought we had him. I thought we broke him. Every, the, the Celtics locker room did. And I had, I had a couple people I knew who were at the game sitting near the bench talking about just the way they were acting toward Miami, the complete disdain, um, especially for him. I, well, I really I mean, Bosch think was, Bosch was hurt. So that was the only thing that they could, they could have hung on to that, but even still, but I mean the way Pierce and Garnett treated LeBron and Bosch, they didn't fuck with Wade because Wade's a badass. Doc had such a swagger that night. Like, I mean, you know, he's responsible. He knew it wasn't over, but he thought it was over. That was what that team had because they knew they didn't have as much talent, but they had the experience yeah. and they had balls. And they knew that they could, they believed they could get in LeBron's head at that point. I've never asked Pierce this, but supposedly he made the big shot in game five and supposedly was yelling at LeBron like, that's that's what balls, that's what it's like to have balls or just a lot of balls related yeah. <laughs> insults yeah. and stuff. And they just felt like we've got this guy. We have, we have him. And then he came out in that game six and it was, he was a different guy and his whole career was different. You watch in 2016. Well, I don't want to step on the game, but there's this one moment where he blocks Curry in the second quarter and they go, get at it a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
And the way he's handling it is just not the way he would have acted five in, years earlier. In game six back in Cleveland, remember he had blocked Curry and gave him that disgusted look like he was a child who tried to pick his pocket. He just, he, he, he like spiked it. So that was just like a follow-up. He me. never used to do that stuff though until I would say this mid-2010s mid part of his career. Well, He realized that that had to be part of the theater to be overpowering. So here's the thing. He feels like he's been given short shrift. He thinks that he should have won like six or seven MVPs. He's still not over some of that. He's still not over the 2015 finals. He, he you know, he, you know, he, 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 when um, the injuries. Yeah, like I, I think it was earlier this season, or maybe it was last year, when somebody asked him about, "Hey, can you imagine what it would be like to lose, you know, Durant and Clay?" And he was like, "Yeah, it was like us in 2014." Yeah. Even though those injuries that to Durant and Clay were more catastrophic, but LeBron still thinks that he should that he was denied by karma. In 2015, he feels like he should have won that title. That that, that title is left on, and so when he's playing the the Warriors here, who have been coronated as the greatest team of all time, he thinks they shouldn't even have the title that they're defending in the first place, much less take the title that he's about to win from them. That's the way he looks at it, and he thinks of Curry. I say, I'm better than Curry. What's this two-time MVP? Those should have been my MVPs. Right. You know the way he looked at it. He came back to Cleveland and coached the team when David Blatt was there, and he's like. I figured out how to put this team together. I brought this team to the finals. This team was a mess. I, I talked them into doing this J.R. Smith trade. I coached the team. Like, he's like, yeah, my numbers may be down a little bit. And they were. They took a real plummet that year. But he's like, I'm the MVP. So that was all built up in that, in that series and was all part of his emotion when they won in 2016. I think, so he's only won three titles. I say only. That's still a lot. That's as many as Bird won. Right. The over-under is probably three and a half for his career, I would say, if you played his career 10 times. Because I, I personally don't think they should have won in 2013. I thought the Spurs were better. I don't know if that would have then flipped 2014. Well, they should have won in 2011 expert. and didn't. They had the better team. Now, they got outplayed. I just feel like they didn't have, I think you need eight to nine guys to win the title. Even in this game that we're about to talk about, Richard Jefferson plays 25 minutes and he's good. They didn't even really have that on their team in 2011. There was so much pressure on those three guys. But they were up 1-0 with a big lead in game two. That's true. And game five, he makes one play in the fourth quarter. One and a half plays in the fourth quarter. It's 3-2 heat going back. Yeah. So I never want to take anything away from that Mavericks team. I don't want to ever do that. But that one they should have won. I just thought that Dallas... I, I'm I'm glad Jason Gallagher's in here. He'd be charging into the studio right now. I thought Dallas was like a true team that made sense, right? They had brilliantly built Marion and Chandler, and Kid with the know-how, and Dirk was at his all-time Dirkiest, and their bench guys, and they just they knew who they were, and they had a real identity, and they were tough, and they used the way the rules were at the time against Jason LeBron. Terry. Yeah, but nowadays. If you if you just put those teams in 2018, Miami would have had much more shooting. Yeah, yeah. They would have tried to pull all these guys away from the paint. LeBron couldn't solve what they were doing. That was the amazing thing of it. He couldn't figure it out. Spolstra looks back at that and he puts his head in his hands saying, I totally mismanaged that team. Yeah. I should have taken the center off the court, shoved Bosch in there and spread him out. But like, that's the legacy of all of these playoff games from like 2002 to 2000. 14. I know. I know. Is, te is teams not realizing in time that they should have gone small? It's unbelievable. I heard you talking with Adande about that that Pistons Lakers where you saw like the Pistons run some plays to get some threes and you're like, why didn't they run this play 30 times? Yeah. 
If they had yeah. Chauncey Billups and Rashid Wallace high screen, it would have worked over and over again. And they <laughs> ran it like twice. Shaq, like, oh, that Shaq worked. would have been completely. Yeah. So I think with Miami, once Dallas realized like pack the paint, we're not letting him get to the, to the rim. Nowadays you couldn't do that with LeBron because you'd have enough spacing and now he's so much stronger too. That's the other thing that even jumped out in this game. His low post game wasn't unbelievable, but he now had the ability to go down low and take a smaller guy and make something happen. By 2018, he was like Will Chamberlain. Right. Well, this was just when the switching revolution was starting. The Warriors were switching. Yep. And they th this whole the whole fourth quarter of this game was hunting switches, both sides. Yeah, save that because right. I want to talk about that. So a reminder, the 2015-16 Warriors started the year defending the title by winning 25 straight games. Not bad. They went 73-9. and Curry won his second straight MVP, and I think it was unanimous or close. And this was really the Curry year. Was, I mean, it's one of the great years anybody's had in the in the last, I would say, 30, where 30 points a game, all the shooting stuff, record The Oklahoma threes. City 40-footer. Oh, my God. it was This was his season. It belonged to him. And unfortunately, so two things start after the All-Star break. The Durant stuff starts. Woj. Woj. And the, the, the week, I'm like, all due respect to Woj, but this is crazy. This right. team has a chance to win 75 games. They're already figuring out a Kevin Durant thing. I think this is the dumbest story I've ever heard. He was right. Woj launched the, his, his, his vertical, the vertical at, at Yahoo, and came out with that story. And I mean, I had had conversations with people about the feasibility of it. But the concept that that, that team would break up. Or that Durant would jump to a rival. It well, was like, come true. on, that's not happening. Right. So that happened. And then in April, Joe Lacob, the New York Times piece, huge feature. And I, he love, has, I love it to this day. He has the famous, we're light years ahead of everybody else quote. And I remember talking about it on pods and tweeting about it, like, this is the karma gods. You can't right. do this. The karma gods yeah. are right here. Way, you can't do this. He wasn't wrong. I mean, light years is a little bit, a little bit much, but he wasn't wrong. The yeah. Warriors did do a lot of things better than a lot of other teams. I mean, they benefited. They, did. they they benefited from the fact that Steph Curry had a had a forty million dollar contract, and it, it it freed him up to do things. They benefited from the fact that like they didn't know when they made their big long plot that the salary cap spike was going to happen. Well, they like, also but, came very close to trading Clay Thompson for Kevin Love. That's right. Jerry West threatened to resign. There's uh, they could have potentially traded Steph Curry for Andrew Bogut way back when, even before he took over the team. Um, you need luck with this stuff. Steve Kerr right. on the Knicks. He That's could have been a, like, I owe Phil Jackson. Talk I just about have an all-time what if, if he doesn't back out of that. Well, you remember who the backup would have been for the Warriors? Uh, remind me, Adam. Stan Van Gundy. That's right. I don't I don't see no, the three marriage, titles happening with no, that one. No, because they played happy and loose and Kerr. <laughs> just him after a Curry 40-footer? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, it was a perfect temperament for the perfect team. So then the, the Warriors... It became clear during the playoffs that they weren't quite the same team that they were the first three months of the season, reminiscent of the 2007 Pats, where by the time the 2007 Pats got to the playoffs, it was like, ah, I wish it was the first eight games again. They were still really good, but it wasn't quite the same. And I, I think if we learned anything from that and from the 2013 Heat with that streak, those things take a fucking shitload out of you. They well, what, really do. What do NBA players give each other as gifts? They give each other cases of high-end wine. Do they take themselves to dinner? But whatever that would, the agreement would be, the Cavs should send that gift to the Thunder. 
Right. Because the Thunder taking forcing the seven game series and the and, and not they showed up, you know, you could argue they showed a little bit of a map. Not sure that's true, but forcing them to go seven games in that series paid dividends. Like, you know. Well, it got Bogut to break down, which was one of the keys to the series. The 15-16 Cavs, they ripped through the Eastern Conference. Can you remember the three teams they played in the 2016 playoffs? Because I was stunned by the three names. Raptors in the conference Raptors was the finals. It was Detroit, Atlanta, Toronto. Oh, that's right, Atlanta. They just they owned Atlanta. They just broke those. those Some classics. Yeah. And I guess the big plot heading into the finals was just that Love was really struggling. And he had had a concussion. When did he get the concussion? What game was game that? Game three. One, of the f- I think. Game yeah, one. game one of the finals. Yeah. Um, but it was clear if they lose, here's your fall guy. That's right. The story you just yeah, write yeah. your story now I've about got, I've got that in our category. Yeah, you have today. you have that you have a draft. Yeah. You have a draft of your wow, I wonder where Kevin Love's gonna go yeah. piece. Yeah. So that's where we're heading. And what ends up happening is this is the weirdest seven game finals ever. I don't know if it's it's it certainly not, not the best. Not a great series. No. The first six games, the average margin of victory was 19.7 points. The Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car at home and everywhere you take your phone. You can ask your Google Assistant to help with routines throughout your day. Say one command and the Assistant can do multiple things. For instance, once you've set up a morning routine in the Google Assistant app, you can just say, hey, Google, good morning. And the Assistant can take your phone off silent, adjust compatible lights and thermostats, Tell you about today's weather, your commute, what's on your calendar, then play music or news or even this very important podcast right where you left off. A little help, hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. None of the games were close. The best one was game four, and that was the one that ended with Draymond punching um, LeBron in the nuts. Um, But that was a game, Warriors are up 2-1. This is... The, the history of the NBA says the better team's going to now win this game on the road, puff their chests out, look at the crowd, and then the series will end in five. And that's where we're heading with these finals. Cleveland comes out. They're throwing haymakers. Golden State takes all of them. Curry's incredible. And they win 108-97. Curry is 38. Golden State makes 17 of 36 threes. Kyrie at 34. LeBron had a 25-13-9, and, and they still lost by 11. Yeah. You leave this game, you're like, well, that's a wrap. Post-game locker room, Cavs is dead. Like, yeah. Dead. LeBron's sitting in his locker icing and not doing anything, not looking at the TV. The TVs are all off. Um, he's just sitting there at his locker, icing. And, you know, we don't talk to him in the locker room at that point because we talk to him at the podium. So he's just he's just sitting there. And um, I was standing there and I was looking at my phone and really for the first time was noticing that Draymond might – because it in real time – I don't think we realized that he had hit him in the groin. It yeah. wasn't a call that happened. So on on social media, I like that you're using ESPN terminology. You said groin. I'm yeah. I'm here in the wild wild west saying balls. Okay. You so, can say balls here. Yeah, I know. Hit him right. in the nutsack. Hit him in the nuts. Right in the testes. So um, uh, I'm watching the I'm watching the replay and I'm I'm seeing it and uh, yeah. I walk over to LeBron and I hand him the my phone and I say, look at this. And he looked at it and he watched it and he, I remember him pushing it back to watch it again. I, almost like he didn't realize that it happened. I mean, yeah. I can't say for that for sure. I'm just like, or that almost he just like, didn't remember. did he really do that? Yeah. And then he handed it to me and he was just really down at that moment. 
Um, and, you know, David Griffin likes to spin the tail that they knew that they, you know, were right on the edge. But I, being in that room, there's no way that anybody thought they were winning. And he goes, they're not going to do anything. And so I just sort of dropped it. But then the next day, I was getting ready to fly out to San Francisco for the game, for game six, uh, six, five. And I heard from somebody in the NBA who said, um, you know, Draymond has a flagrant points issue. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to suspend him. Yeah. Um, and it was important for the NBA to make it clear that he wasn't being suspended for the groin shot, nut shot he was being suspended for flagrant points accumulation. And I still don't think the average NBA fan remembers that. They fought a public relations war on that, that it was... I just did all the aspect. research for this pod over the last two days, and I yeah. forgot that. Yeah, and I, that's what I'm it saying. didn't even pop up in my people research. People think that he was just... That's why, that's why people think they like they fixed it or whatever, because they they you know they wanted to extend the series, so they, they suspended Draymond. No, Draymond got a flagrant foul. That's what he was you know awarded. But of course, the NBA did it knowing it was going to lead to a suspension. You can't totally take them apart, but that's the other thing that happened was starting in 2014, they go from two three two to two two one one. That was the first year of it, I think. Oh no, no, it was. It started in 14. Okay, but it was the first time it ever actually happened. Right, it was. It still has never happened. Where it actually goes seven. Yo, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, if in the two three two rules, it really wouldn't have been a big deal because you play game five in Cleveland, but now you're going back to Golden State for the last two with, with Draymond there. This time it was a big deal. The other thing is Bogut gets hurt in game, in game five. Completely changes the tenor of the way the Warriors have to lose their lineups the rest of the series. That's not remembered either. One it's going to be remembered okay. in this podcast because okay. it's a huge what if Massive. for this. Game five, no Draymond. Cavs go in and kick ass. LeBron and Kyrie had 41 apiece, Amazing. 33 for 54. And this is... You know, the, a year plus later, when they're talking about are they going to actually trade Kyrie? This is the game you pop in the DVD and say, "Don't trade Kyrie. That would be a mistake." Because this this is the ceiling of when these two guys are playing well together. Goes back to Cleveland for Game Six. At this point, Bogut's now out. I felt like Cleveland was probably going to win this game. They that was that was when they thought they might have him. The after, door was after open. Game Five, not after Game. Griff, you know, wrote this impassioned letter that he gave to all the players. He emailed to the players and he gave them, and he wrote this impassioned letter on their on the flight where he says, we can do this. We always take the hardest path. It was beautifully written in the book that I wrote about this team. Yeah. I have the whole letter in there. Um, but I, I still submit that nobody really believed until after they won game five. Then, I think, is where they turned in. So well, it's like the 2004 Red Sox where – if you watch the 30 for 30 we did about it, Millar is talking. They're down 3 nothing in the series. And Millar is talking to Dan Shaughnessy, the Boston Globe writer. And he's saying, like, hey, man, all I'm saying is don't let us win this game. Because if we win this game, then we have Petey going on, right, right. on game five, who's Martinez. And then Shills in Yankee Stadium in game six. If we win this game, watch out. And I think game five was like that for the Cavs. Like, if we win this game, now we're back in game. Now in game seven, we have LeBron. Who knows? Also, they knew they could go right into the basket. That all the like those thirty-three baskets, a lot of them were in the paint. They killed them in the paint. So game six, they win one fifteen one hundred one. LeBron has a forty-one eight eleven. Wasn't that close? The game was over. It wasn't in the first close. Quarter. Yeah, it was over pretty early. The game was fixed for ratings or money. Some so, storylines popping up. Yeah, the games were fixed. Well, the one that was always suspicious to me was two thousand seventeen game four when it was going to be a Warriors sweep and the yeah. Cavs 
I think the Cavs had a 56 to four free throw advantage. We won't talk about that one here. Yeah. That was the fourth straight time the Warriors had to cancel their uh, championship party, though. Right. They made him cancel it a fourth straight time. So some storylines coming out of game six. There's that LeBron clip which showed on whatever that weird ESPN Plus show he did where he goes, he's about, they're about to, they have this thing with this championship puzzle and each, yeah, each yeah. thing they put a puzzle in. Yeah. And this was their 15th one of the playoffs, so it was LeBron's turn to put the puzzle in. Yeah. And he tells his team... They fucked up mentally and physically. I'm telling you, they fucked up. Like, and he's adamant about it. And if I had seen that clip, I would have bet the house on, yeah, on the yeah. Cavs in game seven. Because yeah, yeah. he's so sure that they have the series now. Um, Golden State looked exhausted. The two weird player storylines were Barnes was two for 20 in games five and six. That's right. And was starting to look like a section eight. Yep. And then Love was 9.6 rebounds total in games five and six combined. So he's looking like he's a section eight. Love had 13 rebounds in game one and 14 rebounds in games two through six total. Total. But this is one of the things I love the most, especially about the finals, is you start picking guys off. It's honestly like a war. And so it's like a war movie where soldiers are just getting shot. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah, we don't have that guy anymore. He got shot in the head 50 minutes ago. And all of a sudden, you have five guys left. And for the Cavs, they Love ends up resurfacing in a big way in this game seven. But they end up with six guys they can trust. So Pat Riley used to say in big playoff games, you play eight and trust seven. You get into game seven of the finals, it's like... Six is a good number. If you're, You'll yeah. take six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, the Warriors didn't have six at the end. They didn't have five. That's why they lost. They had four. And that was the biggest reason they lose. So um, so we head to game seven. Important note. No team had ever come back from 3-1 to win the finals. That I've heard crazy. that. I've heard that. But you would have thought over the course of, what, 70 years, we would have had one 3-1 comeback. Somebody gets hurt. Something. I don't know. Uh, quickly running through the game because I okay. want to set up the rewatchable sequences. All right. First quarter, 23-22, slow pace, deliberate, frantic, tense. It's just off. Bad it's, basketball. The first quarters of game sevens of the finals are some of the worst basketball you're going to watch. Everybody's got too much adrenaline. Especially in this case because the travel. Oh, yeah, you're right. Just just brutal. And they, But I'm just telling you, going back and forth across the country, having done it myself and I wasn't running up and down the court, brutal. Brutal. There's a clip they have that was one of the only good wired for sounds they've ever had during a finals game, which we'll play after I finish talking about it. But it's Steve Kerr talking to his guys in the first quarter. He's like, hey, settle down. There's just been a little bit of a rush, which it's game seven. We're all pumped up and everything. No problem, right? But get the ball moving. The first few possessions, we got it moving. We got great stuff, okay? Last couple, we've taken some quick shots. Keep it moving. So the first rewatchable, if you're if you want to go on a on YouTube, people listening out there and watch this game, I would skip the game. I would go to the seven oh two mark of the second quarter. It's twenty nine twenty nine, and then finally we have some good basketball. Shumpert has a four point play. Yeah, Curry has a driving three point play. LeBron goes coast to coast with about six minutes left, and it's the first time the crowd is just nuts the whole game. It's the first time you can hear that little murmur. You know that murmur I'm talking about? Oh, in Oracle, you can hear all that stuff. You can hear the crowd kind of going. The sphincters start to tighten. Thompson floats it ahead for Livingston. Off of his leg, lost it. Fifth turnover for Golden State. James drives. Curry has to get out of the way, and James gets the friendly roll. 
It's just you hear like, it just gets quiet and nervous and there's nothing like it. You can feel it in those NBA arenas, right? Um, especially Oracle. And when you go back and watch this game, the groans are what you mm. hear. Um, I'm going to say something about this though. When I went back and watched this, the Warriors are up by seven and a half. Right. They should have been up 17. They go, they go 10 of 21 on threes. Draymond, who had not hit a three in two and a half games, actually three and a half because he got suspended for one of them. He had missed his last 12 straight threes. Goes five of five on threes. The Cavs sagged off of him because they were so worried about everything else. Well, he hits three in this stretch we're That's talking right. about, which goes from 29 and 29 to 40, they 41 to 41 in like three and a half minutes and includes Kyrie makes an insane off the glass three point play that. I mean, you saw it. You watched this team a bunch. Ky and I, I was lucky enough and unlucky enough to watch him for two years in Boston. He just does, has these bounce off the dude coordination, lefty, like shit that you're just like, but, but I can't he, believe a human being I did remember that. I asked him about this one time. I go, do you practice this? Because like, I was I would watch him at the end of every practice. That's when you'd practice stuff like this because d during practice, you're not doing it. I'm like, when do you practice these spins? And the answer was he'd practiced it his whole life. He was right. just innate. But yeah, that yeah. was Durant's thing with him. Durant was like, this is not God-given ability. This is, he practices this stuff day in, day out, day in, day But it's out. because of plays like that that it was 41-41. Like, yeah. you know, Draymond is hitting threes. The crowd is going crazy. The hero story, like all of us in the media are like, it's the hero narrative. He got suspended. Yeah. He's coming back with, with this great game. He had, he had five threes in the first half. He went five yeah. of five in the first half. The Cavs on threes were one of 10 in the first half. Warriors are 10 of 21. That's No, the, the Cavs are one for 13. One for 13. Okay. Yeah. So 10 to one on threes. What's the Warriors' normal situation there? They're up. If they're having a really good night, they're up 20. If they're having an average night, they're up 15, 14. They're up seven. And it was because of plays like Kyrie stealing that. The Cavs couldn't hit anything outside. They were just grinding away. LeBron got it. There was a couple of um, bad turnovers that the Warriors made that the Cavs were able to get some relief baskets. Like one time Steph went for a steal and and uh, he missed it and LeBron got it and it ended up, he went for a pick six and LeBron yeah. got it and got a dunk. Just those little teeny, you know, this basket here, this basket here, and it's a seven point game instead of what could have been way, way more lopsided. The only other thing that happened during that one sequence was LeBron block Curry. Yeah. And they had to be separated. And it's really great because we know this. I'm not sure the average human being knows this. The LeBron Curry thing is pretty real. Oh, yeah. It is not friendly. I think LeBron really has genuine disdain for him. And I think Curry's kind of like, fuck you. I've won as many titles as you have. And you could feel it festering in this 2016 because there's this underlying current of LeBron's gone back to Cleveland the king right. is back and then Curry comes in and kind of grabs the crown a little bit. And more importantly, I think to LeBron became really popular. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the word jealous is fair because I don't know if LeBron's jealous of anybody, but he didn't think it was, he didn't think it was fair. He's like, I think what about me? I wrote about this once. This was a great thing to happen to him. It's really good when you have somebody who's that great with it, still with a chip on their shoulder and, and Curry was the, became the chip. And he was so popular, especially with kids. He became like the fucking Pied Piper. Right. And People were going to his games two hours before the game started. Right. 
And that LeBron, wasn't happening with LeBron. And LeBron was like, if if I had delivered some of the eggs that he had delivered in, in finals games over the years, I would be getting skewered. Right. And nobody, you know, he's basically, he gets away with it. Yeah. Halftime, 49-42. Third quarter, goes back and forth. JR has eight, eight little eight-point stretch in the beginning. Greatest moment of JR's career. Kyrie gets hot. Yes. Kyrie hits uh, another crazy lefty scoop. I think Kyrie's the most coordinated athlete I've ever watched. He's the only person I've seen who can do everything equally with both hands. He's also in control when he's out of control. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not, He can be off balance, but he's still weirdly on balance, which I think is a metaphor for how he handles his life. <laughs> um, Cleveland has an 11-0 run at, that point, at one point. Then Golden State comes back. Right back. So we'll just go to the fourth quarter because this is – if you're now watching this, this game, you now, go seven minutes left. Cleveland's up 83. See, here's what 80. I would say to the listeners. Really what you need to do is just go watch the last seven minutes of this That's game. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 83, 80, just start there and yeah. you're good. Curry hits a 30-footer. It's 4-3 of the game. Clay hits a contested corner three. And all of a sudden uh, they're up to. His foot was on two. the line. Yeah, his foot was yeah. uh, corner two. I'm sorry. They, they only hit one three in the second half. Right. So it's 85, 83. Timeout. Kyrie had been on the bench, come back out. Kyrie's back in the game. Festus Azili is in the game. Yes. And the announcers, and Van Gundy and Jackson are very careful about questioning coaches at all times. <laughs> That's, you're putting it kindly. Both, they, they don't think the coach has ever made a mistake. Right. Both of them call this out. Yes. And Van Gundy's like, I'm confused that Azili's back out there, which in if I was saying that, the Bill Simmons translation of that would be like, what the fuck is Steve Kerr doing? Why is this elite? So I don't want to get ahead of the cat I don't want to get ahead of the categories, but But this is the key point of the game. But here's the thing, you know, so Bogut is out. Okay. Steve Kerr still plays ten players in this game. Because he can't find the fifth guy. Way, way too deep. Especially in the fourth quarter. Yep. Way too deep. And the Cavs are hunting, hunting Azili. Well, so part of the problem is Barnes is a section eight. He's in this game, he was three for 10, but he made his first shot. So he's two for his last nine. They're not even guarding him in the three points. They're not guarding Azealia and they're not guarding Barnes. So Kerr's like, well, I guess I'll try Azealia. At least maybe he can protect the rim. Well, he tried Verjao earlier and he didn't get much out of him. Tried a little Spates. Spates had some Spate, rebounds. Like I'm saying, like he, he played all of his centers because he was looking for something. Under six minutes left. Curry misses a layup. Draymond follows it up. Golden State's up four. 87, 83, 537 left. LeBron gets the ball, goes to a spot on the left side, gets Azili switched on him, pump fakes him, Azili fouls him, makes all three. Now it's 87, 86. Awful curry turnover behind the back out of bounds. Which he says is the only regret that he has from this game. Wow, he, he took said some it, bad shots. He said it a couple years later that his only regret, like my mind, the way, and I don't want to get ahead, but I can't help it. When Kevin Love comes on him, the way he handles that possession yeah, at the end just of the taking game. it in the basket. But um, that behind-the-back bad pass out of bounds, he says is his only regret from the game. By the way, he said there's five minutes left. Yeah. Remember the final score of this game is 93-89. Right. The Warriors only score three more points. Right. Um, Two more points. Two more points, right. Comes back down, LeBron gets Azili switched on him again. That's right. And now all the Warriors fans are like, oh, shit. And Azili's there going... I'm not falling for that pub fake again. Right. LeBron knows he's not going to fall not. for the pub fake because he's a genius. Goes to the exact same spot. Instead of doing the pump fake, just shoots it, makes the three. Rebound taken by Iguodala. 
Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James with the rejection. Wow. So the Azalea switches were six points. I asked Steve Kerr about this once, and this is obviously the big regret of his game of this game for him. Yes. On the other hand, not sure what other card there was to play. Which... In in you know in game six when he 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 started that game small with yeah. Draymond at center, and they got eviscerated in the first five seconds of the game. I mean, they were never in that game. So this game he starts Azalea at center. First time Azalea started in the whole playoffs, and it goes badly. Every minute that he's in again, is bad. Bogut not having Bogut was huge. History forgets it. History forgets how big Bogut was. Clay makes a driving layup at the 440 mark. It's 89-89. That's it. And what follows is the most unwatchably rewatchable sequence of basketball you ever watch. Amazing. 211 seconds of bricks. No timeouts. LeBron miss. Curry misses a three. LeBron miss. Clay miss. LeBron layup block. Iguodala bricks a three. A bunch of those Warriors shots were good. The Cavs were not getting good shots. The Warriors got good looks. They're just missing them. And every time the ball goes up, the whole crowd <gasps> draws no. in. You know, there was this uh, this tension release, tension release, every shot that goes up. Timeout. We've had six straight missed shots. Love misses a jump hook. Draymond misses a three. Irving misses a runner. And that leads to the block, he, the most famous moment of this okay. game. Okay, Irving gets fouled on that play. Oh. But doesn't get called. But no big deal. I'm just, just, for, just for the record, he gets fouled. Hand gets slapped at the rim. They're not... Because I'm going to bring something up else up later for karma on that. Okay. I mean, they're not going to call that. I understand. The block happens. Oh, block by James. It's amazing that people don't realize LeBron is like the shark in Jaws in those okay, fast break now situations. Now, I can go frame by frame on what happened here. I want to do that. Let's do that okay. after we okay. get through this. Okay. Comes back down. LeBron misses. Misses a running hook. Yeah. Goes back to Golden State. Curry bricks a 28-footer. Timeout. 109 hit left. hit the rim. Hit the backboard. Backboard. 11 straight misses during yes. the most important part of this game. That's right. And I got to say, it's strangely mesmerizing to rewatch because yes. the Warriors shots because are all the, good. They're just missing. Because of the tension. Yeah. Kyrie, they come out of the timeout. Kyrie hits the famous shot. Yeah. A couple interesting things. Lou subs Jefferson. To spread the floor. To spread the floor. Jefferson's out there for the last minute. And they force a switch. Kyrie gets Curry switched yeah. on and makes yeah. three. 53 seconds of Irving and Curry, one-on-one. -on -one. Irving puts it up. It's good. Kyrie Irving from downtown. And the Cavaliers by three. Comes back down. Curry versus Love. The, the stop In Cleveland, known as the stop. Known as the stop. the stop. So we have the block, the shot, and the stop. Yes. I'll never understand for the rest of my life why I didn't go to the basket. Even worse, so much time comes off. By the time Cleveland gets the ball, there's only like 31 seconds left. Also, he resets midway through. Yeah. he. I think it was Draymond. He threw it to Draymond, and Love tried to get out of the switch, and Draymond just says right back, I don't want I don't want Love out of this switch. Like, Curry tried to... Curry, like, kind of waved the white flag, and Draymond said, no, keep it. Take it back. You've got, the, you've got to do it. You've got the uh, match advantage. Take advantage of it. Brad Stevens probably calls timeout. He does that with the Celtics. The Warriors when the play are, goes sideways, the he Warriors calls timeout. The Warriors are sitting on two timeouts at this point. Yeah, that's tough. So, for some reason... Kyrie almost tries to get a layup and it gets blocked, goes back to him. I don't want to go, I don't want to jump ahead, but that's what happened, yes. That, and then that was an amazing moment right there, yeah. But an even more amazing moment is Barnes then fouls LeBron. There's 18.7 seconds left, 12 on the shot. It was a foul clock. to give. It was a foul to give. Yeah, but, but it was a stupid They're going to get the ball back. Yes. They, they Just gave, get a stop. They gave the Cavs three extra seconds. There was yeah. 11 on the clock what are you when doing? he fouled them. That's right. 
So they come back out. Kyrie drives to the basket and dishes to LeBron, who's cutting around, who decides, I'm going to have the greatest dunk of my entire life. He cocks it. He's like Dr. J in the 76 All-Star game. And Draymond fouls him. LeBron goes down. He's hurt. He broke his wrist. It seems like it. He broke his wrist. rolling around. Oh, my God. The Warriors will get to choose who to get shoots the free throws because he can't continue. This is what I'm thinking. This is what many people in Cleveland are thinking. All the Cavs come out. They're all huddled around him. We're like, wow, this would suck if LeBron broke his wrist in 10 seconds. So I'm thinking they're going down to get Dante Jones off the bench or who's ever on the end of the bench. He misses the two free throws. And now the Warriors and then Curry have a makes the three. Makes a timeout, and they got to play overtime without LeBron. That's Ugh. that's what pro, that's what processed through the Cleveland mind in about one point four seconds. LeBron's fine. He misses the first free throw. The second one hits seven parts of the room and goes in. Wasn't quite the Kawhi. It was, it was shot, a it was rattle. Close. It was a rattler. Yeah. Now they're up four, and uh, Curry missed a contested three, and LeBron's and crying, and, and that's yeah. it. Let's take a break to talk about CVS Health. As a predictor of health, did you know that a person's zip code may matter just as much as their genetic code? That's why CVS Health knows it's important to bring health into neighborhoods. LeBron James, a guy who's been uh, probably the healthiest superstar we've ever had over the years. It's important to keep these guys healthy. More than half of all Americans now live within 10 miles of a minute clinic at CVS. And CVS Health is also bringing health into homes. With home care managers, trained nurses who administer IV treatments in patients' living rooms, and now... At select locations, they're rolling out CVS Health Hubs with professional care teams for clinic services and testing prescriptions and health products under one roof in one trip on your schedule. With these innovations and more, CVS Health has learned something important. When you put people at the heart of health, people take health to heart. CVS Health, where health is everything, not all services available in all states. And since we're here, let's talk about Luminary, a podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. It's the only place where you can listen to The Ringer's amazing basketball podcast, Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team, hosted by our very own Jordan Ritter-Khan. If you're a fan of sports, great investigative journalism, or NBA chicanery, which was definitely the case here, this is definitely a podcast you can't miss. It's a personal one for me because I still can't believe they stole the Sonics from Seattle. You're going to find out why in this podcast. You can also listen to Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 1999. That was ours. And the rewatchable spinoff, the rewatchables 1999. We did 15 movies. Both of those are available on Luminary along with more than 40 other podcasts you can't find anywhere else. Their app is free to download. Gives you access to way more than just their own content. Listen to thousands of shows, including this one. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free at luminary.link slash basketball. Sign up. It's only $7.99 per month after those first two months of free access. Luminary.link slash basketball. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. What stage the best for you from this game? All right. If you had to pick one thing. I don't think I can pick one. No, but go one thing and then we'll talk about all the things. All right. The best thing that aged the best was the LeBron-Kyrie partnership. So I had um, Kyrie and LeBron on the same team. Yeah. And I think there's this misnomer now, and I was guilty of saying on my podcast four days ago, like Anthony Davis is the best player LeBron's ever played with, which might be true for the course of a 100-game season. But in a game like this, the, the, the brilliance of Kyrie and the reason why teams will keep taking chances on him is because he outplayed a two-time consecutive MVP in a finals and in game seven was better than him. And that's it. Plus, under the heat... LeBron could give it to Kyrie and take a play off yep. and Kyrie could figure out how to score. And that enabled LeBron to basically extend his energy window. And you could argue 
in the last five minutes where LeBron has the ball a lot, that they actually would have been better off just exploiting the Curry Kyrie. I mean, uh, Curry Kyrie and getting yeah. him switches and yeah. all, all the Warriors fans I were talking to were like, they were saying, I was just talking to one Eddie Q. I was just, I saw a couple of days ago, was, always sits courtside there. And he was saying at that time out, we were all talking and we were saying, let's hope they run the play for LeBron, not Kyrie. They run the ball for, if they run the play for Kyrie, we're fucked. Okay. So here's what happens. They go to that timeout. There's been 11 misses or 12 misses, whatever it is in a row. Ty Lu comes out to talk with his coaches. It's on the, it's on, you can see it if you watch the TV, if you, if you watch the replay. LeBron is trying to get Ty's eye. And he's like trying, he's like putting his head around trying to get Ty's eye. He gets Ty's eye and he points to Kyrie. Now, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a glorification of LeBron, but LeBron wants Kyrie to take that. To, well, you to, can to, see to, it in the actual shot. LeBron's in the corner. Yeah. He's and he's not involved in the play, and he's like a cheerleader, and it goes up, and his body yeah, kind of twisting. He, he twists to the left, and then he does like this. Other thing, which about, is the only time I've ever seen him do that. Other thing about that play, Kyrie's brilliance, subtle brilliance. So he gets ISOed on Curry, and he goes to the right wing where he's most comfortable. Most times, when a when a right-handed shooter is going to step back, he crosses over from his left to his right because it gets him the momentum. Yeah, and that's what. Defenders are used to seeing when a guy's going to go into his move, they're used to seeing the crossover. Kyrie did an escape dribble with his right hand. He's dribbling with his right hand. Steph is defending, and he does a sideways dribble with his right hand, which freezes Curry a second. If you watch the replay, he's on his heels because he's expecting the cross. That little escape gets him the extra four inches, plus he leans back. It creates the shooting lane. That's just Kyrie doing his stuff like, you know, where, you know, the, he does stuff awkwardly and takes people off guard. That little right-handed escape dribble and all the work he's all done in his career for that moment to hit that shot that just, it was just, you know, maybe hits it anyway if he crosses over, but that, because Curry, I don't think, I think he was just, I don't think he was playing bad defense there. He just, he was caught off guard. I was going to say, he almost blocks the shot. Yeah. I mean, he's right there. They have one replay where the ball's being released here and his hands. Yeah, if you watch pretty it, close. Curry is stunned that Kyrie goes right to shoot. Because Curry not. can see the shot clock, so he knows. Yeah. He's starting he's, to get yeah, a feel for when that thing is going to actually happen. Yeah. And you can see there's one shot of Kyrie's eyes looking up at the shot clock and then looking back down, and then he does that right. magic that you're talking about. It's an amazing shot. I would say it's one of the five most famous shots in the modern finals, I'm sure there's been it's other It's one of the greatest going. clutch shots in the history of the game. And what's amazing is that LeBron, I don't want to say that he let it happen because it was the right play and he's smart and he's a good teammate and he's going to do whatever it takes to win. I just wonder, like, does Kobe let that happen? Does Jordan let that no, happen? No way. No way. I think that's... That speaks to why LeBron got to where he is because he is willing to be like, you know what? This is our best matchup and I just want to win. If and they're, if they're in the move. Western Conference Finals against the Clippers this year in this tie game situation with less than 30 seconds left, is he calling for Anthony Davis? Like, I mean, even if he's setting him up with a post shot or something, is he calling for it? I don't know. We'll see. Because it wasn't like a cop out. He's just making. No, he he. He's he, assessing that this is their best. And chance I don't know to what win. I don't know what Ty was going to do, but LeBron wanted him to go to Kyrie. Um, I have for what's age the best, the most history at stake for any game seven 
I think, since 1969. The Bill Russell's last game, Wilt, Jerry, and Elgin all trying to win a title in in L.A., the last piece of the Celtics dynasty. Russell already knows he's retiring. I think that's probably the greatest game when you just think of you have four of the top, you know, 17 players of all time in the game, including three of the top 10. One of the three best players ever. It's his last game. All of the things that go into that, the Celtics-Lakers. This one has Golden State. If they win, it's the greatest season of all time. Yep. Cleveland wins. It's his first NBA title ever, first Cleveland title in 52 yep. years. It's the biggest curse that we have other I than agree. the Cubs, there, which is about to get wiped out. There's a lot on the line. Yeah. It's a lot on the line. You know um, you know what else? I mean, like, this isn't, isn't huge, but I think it's relevant. The officiating. Danny Crawford. Monty McCutcheon. Mike Bill, Cal- and Mike Callahan. All now out of the league. Yep. Um, no officiating controversies. No. No replays. No replays. You're no right. No replays. All that that whole even Clay of, with his foot on the line was called correctly. All that whole run that was was smooth. Was one of the reasons why it's rewatchable because even though there's a lot of misses, it's smooth. The officials handle it brilliantly. I want to talk. Keep that thought because we're talking about the block. But I, I want to do the block last. LeBron had only the third triple double in a game seven finals. Jerry West, 1969. James Worthy, 1988. Poor Draymond was missed one assist away. He just missed it. The Richard Jefferson Renaissance, I think, is age the best, especially now that he's in our lives because he's I on know. every ESPN show. He's excellent, by the way. I know. Um, but there's a whole backstory which I had forgotten. He was signing with Dallas. He was there. He was doing the physical. Had committed and, to Dallas. And DeAndre backed out. This is right. a whole, when we do the 19-part podcast of DeAndre backing out of Dallas, <laughs> this is definitely an episode. Yeah. He backs out. Jefferson's like, well, fuck that. Dallas isn't going to be good. And he goes to Cleveland. And they don't win the series if he's not in the series. Not to mention that. like The Cavs were sort of at odds with each other. Uh, just the the chemistry wasn't right. What they, a team with Kyrie, the chemistry wasn't right. The, what are you talking they about? They trade for Channing Fry, who's Trister Jefferson's college teammate. Yeah, and Channing is like a breath of fresh air that completely brings the team together. And it was the Richard and Channing sort of show that, you know. So he, so in addition to having a good year on the court, he that chemistry with Channing ends up helping with them big time. Channing doesn't play in Game Seven, but he was important for them. Well, and also Jefferson as basketball evolved over the century, you kind of needed that tough stretch four-ish, maybe a little undersized, but at least he's tough and he might be able to make one three. Plus he's a guy you can trust, as you said. He's an adult. It's interesting though, Luke Walton's his best friend and he was the lead assistant and they refused to talk to each other. Yeah, Luke Walton drafted the same year as LeBron. Yeah. Uh, Also, best uh, best thing that aged, Ty Lue not signing his contract mid-season. He agreed to a contract, never signed it, then, because then the the summer comes, he's a champion coach. He got seven million a year. Oh my god, LeBron crying at the end. Um, yeah, genuine and emotional. I forgot how great that was. Transitions. He's um he's crying and out of emotion, and then midway through, he's talking with Doris, goes into the celebration. Right, like you're experiencing it with him. Cleveland, this is for you. Like he's he's like. You know, he's kind of trying to make some sort of God reference, like, yeah, I don't know why the man, the upstairs, man upstairs, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then he, but you can see in the emotion in his face. And for the first time, the entire night, he expels positive emotion. Like, you know, he's like, he, it, you can, on national television, he, he lets his guard down. Yeah. Which I think is a really cool moment. I had an experience like that with him because we were doing Countdown after uh, 
after game seven. Miami. And I think it was because he'd had some champagne, but and magic <laughs> and magic was there. Yeah, that might and be. it was just like the real LeBron for eight minutes. I was like, yeah. it's on YouTube, you can find it. But it's like uh oh, there he is. Cause I think he had really mastered media LeBron. But the real LeBron, we know it's in there and sometimes oh, it yeah. comes out. Yeah, yeah. The other cool thing about the celebration, I've never seen this before. The game's not over yet. It's Curry misses, rebound, goes in the corner, and somebody else is about to shoot. And LeBron, he's turning already because in his head, he, he knows, knows what the clock points. is. Yeah. And he's just, he's celebrating. Just and the like in Utah the other night. <laughs> yeah. He just knew. He just, yeah. Um, Kyrie's second half, I thought aged really well. Just um, Mike Breen. Great Mike call. Breen. I have those. Let's save that because I want right. to talk about the announcer team. And then uh, let's talk about the block. Okay. Um, here's here's something that's very important that doesn't ever get remembered. With eight minutes to go in the game, Andre Guadala misses two free throws. Okay. I have some some nerd stuff later on about Iguodala's free throw shooting. Yeah. So Iguodala makes a brilliant play. Nobody can score. So when Kyrie misses, Iguodala gets the rebound and goes. The game had been played very, very slow. It's actually a brilliant play. So he and Curry are on two-on-one against J.R. Smith. And Curry's telling them to do this. He's telling yeah. them to go, because go, any chance to get. Because they can't score against the Cavs half court. Nobody yeah. can score in the half court. So everything works exactly how you want in a fast break drill. He throws it to Curry, and J.R. commits. And so Curry gives it right back to him. But the two missed free throws, I don't think Iguodala wants to go to the line. So he's doing the quick layup. Okay, so when he goes up and J.R. goes straight up, Instead of just going into Jair and getting the foul, he moves to the right. Mm. He could have just got. It's like the, the JFK assassination. I mean, like I don't Back know if Andre. The right. I mean, Andre. I don't know if Andre would ever admit to this, but I always felt this way. He moves to the right to get around Jr. to avoid the foul. Okay, that split second that where he diverts enables LeBron to get there. Because we're talking tenths of a second. Otherwise, he's blocking it off the backboard. Otherwise, he's getting fouled. Or fouled. Okay. Yeah. So LeBron goes up with both hands, one hand on one on the right side of the rim and one hand on the left side, because he knows Iguodala sometimes does reverse layups, and he's going to block for both sides. Earlier in the game, Iguodala done. That's what I layup. do as well when I'm when I'm trying right. to chase down blocks. So, watching it live, it happened so fast. I don't even think, like the officials got the call right, but it was just, it had to have been a guess. There was no way they could have told, okay? As, after LeBron blocks it with his right hand cleanly, his left hand hits the rim, which under rule would be goaltending, mm. you, you know. But I just said earlier, like Kyrie got fouled on almost a similar play. Oh, interesting. It's almost a little bit of karma. But well, they, they did, I think they quickly, they had the replay center at this point, right? For the last two minutes or no? I don't think they reviewed it. They didn't review it, no. but I think I think Steve Javi looked at it though. Okay. No, I mean we all had to see the replay to see if it was a clean block. It happened too fast. It's about as close as it could be to being goaltending without it actually being. Yes, I mean uh, it is cl it is clean. Like if it's like the next frame, the ball would have hit the That's backboard. Right. And but again, Iguodala actually sort of bends down, bends his head down, and goes around Jr. If he just goes into Jr., he goes to the line. LeBron doesn't get there. Isn't it funny, though? I said this at the top. We assumed he was going to have one of the great highlights of all time. And then even the moment it happened, it was like, there it was. 
That was it. And I'm so mad I wasn't there for this game. I didn't go to this game because we were launching the HBO show. I, I can't imagine how breathtaking that was to see the block. It, it happened so fast. That's my memory is of the speed of the play. Yeah. Because there was all this tension in the in the room. And then Iguodala gets the rebound. And it's like real time, four seconds between Iguodala getting the rebound. Oh my God, there's a shot. You don't expect the fast break. And then and then um, and it actually affects the next two plays because it was so amazing. Cleveland misses their next shot. Golden State misses their next shot, and it's like the the crowd had to like calm down. And we still me. hadn't seen the replay yet. As I look, look back, we we still didn't know whether it was because Iguodala thought it was a goaltend, but it was clean. They did a great job on the telecast. Breen's call is the best call of his life. Yes. And then there's a, finally the play stops, and they're able to go back. And Van Gundy just goes, oh my goodness. Great pass by Curry, running hard by Iguodala. And superhuman defensive recovery by LeBron James. Mark Jackson is like, wow, in the moment, wow. Yeah. Van Gundy doesn't say anything. Van Gundy's like, uh, Cavs got to get in their offense quicker. It wasn't until Van Gundy got to see the replay that he recognized it. But in the moment, Mark Jackson was like, Mark recognized it. Unbelievable. The great, the greatest, most famous block of all time. When the when Cleveland puts up a statue, which they should do the day after he retires, it will be of that of the block. And it I, should I, be where his hands, where he's got one, but the other, the left hand, because that's the thing. It's like nobody else would do that. And how you described it. That's like uh, that's like the basketball genius part of it. Yeah. Anyone else is just doing this. It makes LeBron so happy that his signature play of his career is a defensive play. Yeah. He really is, is proud of that. I think if it had him in that, it probably would have been uh, the Orlando three in game two. Oh, that was a big one. Which just would have been the first highlight. Yeah, that was a big one. I mean... And I, I still think that I thought he was just flat out incredible in that series. And yeah. his teammates, his teammates didn't show up, but he was busy. What stage the worst? Golden State's inability to find that fifth guy. Um, they started Azealia, as we said, who was a minus nine in ten minutes and was just awful. They played Azealia, they played Verjao, little Barbosa. Cleveland played Mo Williams, Mo Spates is in this game. There's a lot of like, why are you in a game seven guys? At least five. Usually the over under is three. Um it makes the Durant signing a lot more plausible so after you finish this game, I, I right? I think Harrison Barnes' age is the worst. Now, yeah. he gets a max contract, so it's not like... Kind of no, amazing. No tears. He goes 5 of 32 the last three games. As you mentioned earlier, the Cavs are basically rolling out the red carpet. Harrison, please shoot it. And as soon as Draymond Green gets out of the shower, he immediately goes to his car and calls Kevin Durant and goes, we, we got to get you to replace Harrison Barnes. Um, and Harrison Barnes knows this too, which is kind of. A I bummer. mean, and look, Harrison Barnes ends up. Harrison Harrison has a ring and has made tens of millions, over hundred million dollars since. Um, and he's a, happens to be a really nice guy. I have nothing bad to say about him personally, but he he aged the worst out of this game. I agree. Maverick Carter getting right into the celebration mega hug, I thought was aggressive. Maybe let the player give the players ninety seconds for you jumping in there. Um, he's right in there. That aged the worst. <laughs> Uh, Cavs <laughs> long sleeve jerseys. Yeah. What about Barbosa with the t-shirt? I had that for what's age the worst. The t-shirt under the jersey. It's game seven. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, in Cleveland, they those were iconic. They wore them like all the next year, but you know, Nike, was it Nike or Adidas then? Uh, I think it was Nike. But they got rid of them. Yeah. They got rid of them. And LeBron, ironically, 
hated the long sleeve jerseys when they first came out and would rip the jerseys, like rip the sleeve so he could feel more like he didn't have them. But Barbosa was just going for the old school, old guy in a pickup game That's t-shirt right. under the jersey right. to hide the fact that you gained some pounds. Do we think he should have played more in this game? Because I had that as a borderline what stage the worst. Because they, at least from a spread the floor standpoint, he can do more than Azili. And Azili on defense, they're just going to lure him out and then put him in a switch. I wonder what Steve would say about that. Um, he did hit a three in the third quarter, I think. I would have, like watching the game again, Spates was the other one who just didn't seem afraid. And he only played four minutes. Right. Because my big regret for this conversation is game seven, 2010. Doc only played Nate Robinson three minutes. And some of the guys just wore out as the game went along. It was like, I, Nate wasn't scared. Like That's it, true. He, he would have at least carried himself like a guy who wasn't afraid to be in a game seven, which I don't know. I felt like Spates was like that. Any other what's age worse for That's you? That's all I have for okay. now. Let's talk about FanDuel Sportsbook. If you want to bet for the first time, you're in luck. Sports betting available in New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Indiana. And with FanDuel, winning is only a few taps away. They offer an amazing feature called Same Game Parlays. Here's how it works. Other sportsbook only let you parlay bets from different games. On FanDuel, parlay multiple bets within one game. For instance, there's a Patriots-Bills game this week that I think there's not going to be a lot of points on. You can actually bet that. You can say the Bills are going to cover that the over-under is going to be under 38 and that Brady's going to throw less than two touchdowns. Do all of that. That's the same game parlay. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, get your first bet risk-free just for making your first deposit. Place any bet, including same game parlays. FanDuel will refund you up to $500 in site credit if you don't win. Sign up to FanDuel with promo code BSBOOK so FanDuel knows we sent you. And now the legal stuff must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia, site credit non-withdrawable expires 14 days after receipt. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Half-assed internet research, just a couple of things. We talked about the 16-piece championship trophy puzzle. Now, let me just What say happened that, in that puzzle? I'm sure you know. Yeah, I'm sure Dan Gilbert has it. I mean, it was in this uh, probably $5,000 case. And the last piece of the puzzle, it was it was it was of the trophy. It it, it created the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Yeah. And the last piece was in the shape of the state of Ohio, which slipped into where the ball and the trophy was, oh. and Ty Lue put it in. Right. But considering I wrote most of this research, like I could go on on this one forever. Right. Um, but what so, happens if you don't win the title? What happens to the puzzle? They just throw it out. I mean, here's the like, thing. Hey, man, anyone want this puzzle? There's 14 pieces. We didn't. We didn't know about it. Oh, it's just inside. That's it. Um, I mean, like it may have come to light at some point, but I was covering the team. I was unaware of its existence. Wow. Now, the Heat used to do stuff like this. The Heat had, and Riley might have stolen it from somebody else. I'm not giving him, but the Heat had stuff where they had like special trophies or special things. And I don't know if Griffin stole that from him, but it was really cool. And it was in like this, they built this case perfectly protected. It was like the perfect size of it. I don't know where it is, but it's... Kyle, you want me to do that for Book of Basketball episodes? Each time we finish, we put a puzzle piece? Thank you. Yeah. All right, let's do that. Get on that. Tell tell our, our interns to do that for us. I found one thing that I did not know, or maybe just didn't remember, was that Lynn Merritt, LeBron's father figure type who works Nike. for Nike, who yeah. game, game six, 2012, it's just him and World Rod West sitting courtside. Those are his two guys. 
Lynn Merritt suggested spending the weekend before Game 7 watching Muhammad Ali That's fights. Right. And Muhammad Ali had just died. Watching the best, longest fights, like, you know, the two Fra the the three Frazier fights and Foreman and about how Ali controlled the pace of a fight he, and the ups and downs he, and taking he, he punches. He brought them on DVD and put them into, they watched them at LeBron's hotel room, LeBron's hotel suite. Lynn, who was one of the most powerful people in basketball that you that the average person doesn't know about. And still is. Um, a king, he's a kingmaker. He gets you your Nike deal, you know. Um, he's from Louisville. Um, I don't know if he's from the exact same neighborhood that Muhammad Ali was from, but from the same side of the tracks. Idolized Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Brought his love of Muhammad Ali to LeBron. And LeBron is now, really, you know, when, when LeBron was a teenager, his idol was Jay-Z. It has morphed into Muhammad Ali, and Lynn was the person who took him there. So he was, the two things he wanted to concentrate on was how Ali carried himself in longer fights, especially trying to get his opponent to tire That's while right. he had something left. And then, this is interesting, how he taunted opponents knowing he would get into their heads, <clears throat> which explains the Curry thing yeah. in the second quarter. I think which is Ali, atypical. Ali died during the finals, I'm pretty sure. Then the other thing is, before game three, he gathered all the Cavs in there and played a portion of Steve Jobs' commencement address to Stanford in 2005. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff that they did like that. To me, the the, the classic pregame thing was the day before game seven. Ty Lu, James Jones, Rich Paul, and a couple other of his assistant coaches went to San Quentin. They Somebody knew the warden. They were looking for a diversion. They went up to San Quentin. Ty spoke with some inmates. And the inmates there, a lot of them were Laker fans yeah. who adored him because he was a, um, right. well, a Laker, won championship. And I guess they teased the hell out of him because of the Iverson getting stepped over. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the next day when, Lebr when uh, Ty Lue makes the pregame speech, he says to them, guys, I was at San Quentin yesterday. You know where we are from. So many of us are from meager circumstances, but for the grace of us not going in that car, but for the grace of us not being searched by that cop, but this choice of that choice, we could be on that side of the prison, but we're not, we're here. So let's take advantage. He incorporated it into the pregame speech, his going to San Quentin. Um, you know that, that Steve Jobs thing, the quote that LeBron loved is along the same lines of what you just talked about. Job said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and has made all the difference in my life. And for some reason, this really resonates with LeBron. Mm. And during this 2016 finals or that whole year, he felt like it was like his destiny to do this. Did you believe in that stuff as it was happening? Or is, is this something you say as you actually realize you're going to win uh, the title? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the years he lost the finals, he did stuff. He didn't feel like it was his destiny yeah. to lose the finals? But, yeah. you know, my one of my favorite things about happened there was tie with the Doc Rivers move with the money in the ceiling. Yeah. So game five, they win. Ty collects $100 from every single player and staff member. It was 55 staff members because it was the finals. They like, the whole front office was there. Sticks the money into an envelope, sticks it in the ceiling panel in the visitor's locker room and says, we're coming back to get this um, when we win game six and game seven. So, because Doc did that 
uh, yeah. when he went to LA and they lost on Christmas Day when he was with the Celtics and he took money from the players, put it in the roof of the Staples Center uh, coach's office. And that was like six months before he came. Yeah. This was four days. And Ty got the money back, but he didn't, I think some of he gave back, but he mostly kept it because he had gotten fined after game four for complaining to the officials. He got fined like 25,000. He's like, damn, I'm keeping this five grand. What are you crazy? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, LeBron's def definitely didn't get his hundred from him. I know that. And the Cavs, after they win, go to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to celebrate, which, um, I think some other teams have done stuff like that since then, but I hadn't heard of a team making an intermediary stop on the way home before that. Kyle would have been down with that. Greatest what if sliding doors moment. Draymond's nut punch. I think Cleveland loses in five if that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, um, unless there's an unless. Kyrie would have had to have gone off in game five. They're going to get what they're going to get from LeBron, give or take eight to 10 points. If Kyrie had, Kyrie had 41 in game five anyway. Yeah. If that had happened and Draymond was playing, they still might have stolen it, but they really would have needed a special Kyrie game, I think. That's the only way. Uh, what if to me, and for most Cleveland fans, is what if LeBron finishes the dunk? Doesn't get fouled by Draymond. Irving drives to James, misses the jam, but fouled. It's one of the great. The, so he has the block and the dunk. Well, it was going to be the, one of the most vicious power dunks that we've ever seen. He and, certainly cocked it the most oh he had probably God. ever cocked one. And it was a clean foul by Draymond. He just slapped his arm. Do you think that was a set play? Yes, it was. Because he's kind of lurking yeah. on the top of the key a, and then all of a sudden he cuts. I mean, I don't want to say this is where it was invented, but it was a play he ran with Wade all the time. It was a misdirection play where he veers in. Yeah. And if he dunks that, it's a five-point game with 10 seconds left. And also Draymond's dead from the dunk. And, gets, and can you, I mean, I, first off, I think- Draymond would have died. First off, I think, I think Kirk calls timeout. Yeah. LeBron flexes for the next two to three minutes. And, and here's something else about the game. 30, people talk about NBA ratings. The average viewership in the U.S. for that game, the average was 30.8 million. At that moment, at the end of the fourth quarter, in the U.S., there was over 40 million people watching. Jesus. So picture him making that play in front of 40 million people live. Even though the block is everything, that dunk becomes the signature play of his career to ice. Yeah. Because the power of, it wasn't just a dunk, the power that that dunk was going to be. That's an incredible one. It was like a 1977 Dr. J. He I'm dunking it. over everybody. He had, he had a full yeah. head of steam. What's weird, he's, he doesn't really have the signature dunk. No. Other than that Wade, the Wade photo. Yeah, and it's more the photo than it's the dunk. It's more the photo than yeah. the dunk. Uh, the only other what if we talked about, if Bogut doesn't get hurt, that's 15 minutes the Warriors are getting out of somebody competent. Yeah, and, in and game it, seven, and which is going to change. Yes, it. for sure. Nerd corner. Kyrie's twenty-one playoff games, twenty-five, three and five, forty-eight, forty-four, eighty-eight percentages. Sick. Only three guys ever have played in fifteen-plus playoff games, averaged twenty-five points, made two threes per game, and shot forty-four percent or better from three. Oh, one Ray Allen, the most underrated uh, stat guy of the last twenty years. Two thousand sixteen Kyrie. Two thousand seventeen Durant. That's it. I mean, this is about as efficient as you're ever going to get out of this guy. And he's playing with LeBron at the Warriors, peak of his powers. One of the most dominant teams ever. 2017. But it's funny, like watching this, I just think, I still feel, I know Kyrie's a little bonkers and maybe it was time for him to go. 
but I would not have broken up that 2017 Cavs team. I thought offensively, I, mean, I thought they were spectacular. Kyrie threatened to get his, to get knee surgery. To, I know. To, I get all the which, reasons. It's a bummer. Uh, Iguodala, the previous four games, is three of 11 on threes. I mean, on free throws. Oof. I'm telling you, he did not want to get fouled. Maybe even if it wasn't conscious, he did not want to get fouled. He did not want to get fouled. And that is why the block happened, because he dodged it. I think it's one of the most important things that could take away from this game. It's a great point. I watched Antoine Walker's career crater because he didn't want to get fouled anymore. There's a bunch of guys like Once, that. Yeah, Rondo was like that too. Westbrook's headed in. Yeah, Westbrook's headed that way. The Dan Waiters Award, best heat check. I guess it goes to Richard Jefferson. Nobody comes in and has like an awesome eight points. JR had the, the but he's playing 40 minutes in the game, so it's hard to give him a heat check. So Jefferson being able to da- to rely on him. Um, the only other one I would go is Mo Spates has a really fun four minutes and has four rebounds and gets a block and does some stuff and uh, had some energy at least, but it, this was not a heat check game. The only nominee I can put here, which we mentioned earlier, was after Love gets the stop, Kyrie tries to go score. Right. Doesn't try to kill the clock. The Cavs yeah. have the have the the, the lead, the yeah. three-point lead. He tries to go score, runs the other side, Tries to score into Iguodala. Iguodala blocks the shot, and the ball bounces off Kyrie. He blocked it off Kyrie. Kyrie is tiptoeing on the baseline, and Kyrie grabs it and throws it out and saves it to Love. If that gets blocked, and not only is a is a is a fourth possession, but it goes out off Kyrie, the Warriors get the ball back. They get a suck, a second chance at it. That was a heat check. That he was out of control on that one. That was a heat check to have a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> The Grady Little Award for biggest coaching F up. It's only the, one thing. The Azealia disaster. Yeah. yeah. Best chemist. So I watched carefully. The the whole Cavs bench is really invested this whole game, but I was impressed by Mo Williams' work. <laughs> the the old guy. I thought uh he was the first guy out. There's a lot of handshakes and the celebration. I thought he had Mo some good retired kind of stuff. Essentially after the game. I think he retired during the series. Um smoke so I remember, you know, there's pretty significant anti indoor smoking laws in California. Cavs just Mo especially just smoking cigars in the um in the post game locker room. The attendants and the security people are begging him to stop. He just did not care. But Dante Jones, Dante Jones, Dante Jones, maniac, um, signed him in the last day of the regular season. Yeah. Okay. Comes in in uh, it was a Bismack Biombo had hard fouled somebody. So he comes in in the Raptors series and punches Biombo in the, in the, in the nuts, gets suspended for the next game. Yeah. Missing gets, gets suspended. Now he hates when I bring this up. He, 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 he doesn't like when I talk about his fines because he thinks it's not appropriate because he came back the next year and he got fined more money than he actually made. He was in the negative. Um, he only he so so LeBron says I'll pay your fine, I'll pay your your suspension fine, Dante, because I got your back. He signed the last day of the season. His check for the season was eight thousand dollars. His fine from being suspended for one playoff game was eighty dollars. Because you could find a percentage of your oh my god one one hundredth. This should he used him like he was like right. So <laughs> like a roadhouse. So, but, villain. but my favorite part is that LeBron's like, oh no, I got you. Because you know a lot of times players get fined. It's if it's a player like LeBron, it's three hundred thousand. If it's a player like a mid level player, it's like fifty thousand, eighty dollars. Jesus, <laughs> this is fine. That's great. Another another Duke guy. Half big big picture take. I'm gonna go with this one. 
I, I really did. I workshopped a Kyrie should have been the finals MVP take, but I just couldn't get it. Yeah, I just I couldn't get it. It's I tried. I was like, how would this look if we did this? And it's not even not even eligible for hottest take. Draymond's game seven. If the Warriors win this game, like James Worthy, he's called Big Game James, and was a very, very, very good basketball player, Hall of Famer. Um, I certainly loved watching him. But the most important part of his legacy was Game 7 in the 88 Finals when he became Big Game James. Now, three year, four years before in the uh, 84 Finals, he throws away Game 2 and is pretty much playing that Finals with both hands around his neck, but graduates into being Big Game James. Draymond, 32-15-9, he's the only Warrior who plays well in this game. And if they win this game, I think we're calling him Big Game Dre. I think his whole life's different. It's still pretty good. He had a good run, won some titles, but he's just remembered differently historically. And I and I think uh, that's a bummer for him. He's got to look back at this series with a lot of regret. It was going to be the greatest night of his career. Yeah, because you have that, but you also have the, if I hadn't punched LeBron in the nuts, we would have won in five. So he's got the double regret. I, I think um, the ball needs to go out of Steph Curry's hands and they need to run plays for Clay Thompson down the stretch. Clay was actually four of eight in the second half. Um, vanished. This is a guy who carried him. Run him off some screens. Yeah, that's yeah. a good call. Uh, Tim McCarver, Memorial Broadcast Team Complaint Corner. I have none. I thought these guys were really good in this game, and plus we had Doris as a sideline reporter, so great great there. Um, Apex Mountain, we're almost done. Cleveland fans, yes. Kyrie Irving, yes, right? How is this not as Apex Mountain? Yeah. Tristan Thompson, no question. I think it's everybody. You can stop. I think it's everybody in the Cavs uniform. You'd go Richard Jefferson? Yes, he was a championship. I mean, I know he had some seasons where he averaged 20 points, but I don't think he even ever made the All-Star team. Under Armour? <laughs> it was never better. This is the stock starts to go down right around now. You go heading into this finals. They have Jordan Speeth, they have Cam Newton, they have Steph great Curry call. and the Chefs coming out. Great call. It's looking great for Wasn't Under it Armour. During that series where like the, the Chefs they, came they, out. And they were like, oh my God, these are awful. Yeah. Maverick Carter. He's in the celebration. He would argue that, but. That's all I have for Apex. Cavs Man. ownership group. This is a little inside. Gilbert's on there too. He's in the celebration. You could see him right this away. This is inside baseball, but the th these three guys who are like best friends, Nate Forbes, Jeff Cohen, Dan Gilbert, together they had these magnum bottles of uh, champagne, probably some champagne that was $10,000 a bottle that they had been saving for years that they had brought out there. Their names were engraved in them. And they're drinking them afterwards. Within a year, they had some falling out over some other investment. They broke apart, ended their ties with each other, even though they're still part owners. And then Dan has this health thing. Another one of them had a health thing. Oh, man. It's been all, they've had a lot of, you know, they're not even together anymore. So Apex Mountain for those guys. Jesus. I never knew that story. Yeah. Hottest retroactive take when you had in the moment. Mine was if Cleveland cleared out for Kyrie in the last six minutes, they win by 10. So wow. it's a cousin of your Clay Thompson take. I can't. That's I. That's an amazing. I don't think they could stop Kyrie. He's either getting to the hole or he's creating a shot for somebody. But I, I don't think the Warriors had an answer for him, especially if you got him on a switch. I can't top that. Best unintentional, unintentional comedy moment. LeBron breaking his wrist and then it was fine two minutes <laughs> later. I kind of enjoyed that. I forgot. I was like, so you're, it's not broken? Okay. Right. Oh, no. He's shooting the free throws? Oh, oh, I guess we're good. 
He that's happened with him a couple times over yes. the years. He, he doesn't milk the moment. He has a Jim Brown aspect for that. He milks the moment. Uh, after Kyrie hits the three, and this is you can see this on the broadcast. There's a little bit of a delay because they're going back and forth, but Jr. comes over and hugs him to celebrate. And right behind them, right in the center of the screen, is Joe Lacob, and he's got just this look of like late years ahead. No, not anymore. Late I mean, years like, behind. Like it's just like his face says it all. And it was, you know, but I will say this, there was nobody laughing in that game. I mean, there was no funny moments, like even with Van Gundy and Breen or Van Gundy and Jackson, who needle each other. It was all business all day long. Game sevens are another animal. The, the pressure and intensity and what it's like to be in the building for those. There's just nothing like it in any sport. Agree. Be, and even in baseball, which is just as tense, but you're still outdoors with 60,000 people or 58,000 or whatever it is. And it's still, the energy still goes up. It's, and basketball, it's, it's contained. Things rarely turn on a dime in baseball. I mean, obviously it happens, but it's, it doesn't always. And in basketball and in football, be, teams are rooting for both sides and or the fans are rooting for both yeah, sides. Yeah, the, the, the in basketball, is two and a half hours before. Guys are warming Football's up. Football's a neutral site. Million camera crews there. It's just you can feel it early and it never goes away. Uh, probably unanswerable questions. We've covered everything. The only one I had was. There's a big one. Well, I had, did Curry choke in game seven? Is that an official choke job or was he worn down from the season? What's the pie pie chart? I don't know. I don't think I can say it. I don't think, I, I don't think he choked. I think he just didn't deliver. Is that, am I splitting hairs? Yeah. I think that's fair. I don't love the word choke, but if somebody was like Curry choked in game seven, I don't know what my counter would be. As so you know, I'm a huge Curry fan. If if the Warriors win, what happens with Durant? Joining the champs? I don't think he can do it. I think he ends up in Boston. If he goes to Boston, it is you're shaking the snow globe now for the next four years of the NBA. Right? He goes to Boston. Um, I don't think they can get Al Horford at that point. I still think... The Cavs, the Cavs may win the title again, and maybe Kyrie doesn't ask out. Maybe Houston wins a title. Yeah, well, there's saying, nineteen like, things happen. The next year, the Cavs get beat four one. I mean, the, by the way, the next year the Cavs were great. They went twelve and one in yeah. the East playoffs, and they got smoked four one. Like if they don't have Durant, they may, they might win it again. It's kind of insane that they played four finals in a row. And the way that they did it. Um, who won the game? It's the greatest moment of one of the greatest players. It's the absolute tip. It, it, it's the the cherry on top of his career. I mean, I. It's not my answer. I think it's the city of Cleveland. Yeah, you know what though? When you to they, get, they're not celebrating as much as they should. To get this removed from your body. And it's like getting, like when the Red Sox won in 04, I felt like a different human being after. I was like, this is great. I don't have to think about this for the rest of my life. This is now done. This is behind me. It changed my entire approach to life. I just felt different. And if you're from Cleveland, at some point you start thinking, I'm going to live. I'm going to live a full life. I'm going to die. I'll never see a title. I hope the people from Cleveland feel that way. My sense is that they don't all feel that way. Oh, well, then LeBron and, wins. And, and let me just say, <laughs> the parade in Cleveland was as bigger of a day for a lot of people in Cleveland than the actual Game 7 because that was like a fit where you bring your whole family together and like you plan it and it's a celebration from start to finish. There isn't the tension. The parade was 
an all-time day in the in the city in the city's history. In my mind, what Cleveland should do is they should rename the street that the, the main street that the parade went down, Le- LeBron James Way. They should brand the 2016 team like the Blazers brand the 77 Spirit of 77. They should have Spirit, you know, the, the, you know call it the you know the Miracle of 16 Plaza, the Miracle of 16 Store. Have merchandise, you know, whatever. Richard Jefferson Road. I I would embrace the, the hell out of it. I would make it a thing. If you go to Portland, you say the Spirit of 77. Blazers fans who were negative 15 years old know what you're talking about. I think Cleveland needs to brand it because they may not get another one for 50 years. I think the fact that LeBron left two years later probably puts a little bit of a And the Kyrie thing, too. Yeah. That was my last unanswerable question. I agree. LeBron won the game. I just wanted to shout out Cleveland. (laughs) But um, if they don't win this game and they don't win this series, and then let's say Warriors get Durant next year and they just never win, is LeBron still there? Because to me, that's like the definitely unanswerable question. That's At true. some point, does he say, I did my best, guys, sorry, I, but now I'm moving to the third stage of my the, life? The championship gave him the blank check to do whatever he wanted, and then when Kyrie left, he realized it. Because I, I do think there was a, a path in his head where he was going to turn gray and hand it off to Kyrie and be Kyrie's support. They talked about that. Kyrie clearly never was fully bought into it. but And then when Kyrie left, he was like, well, let's start looking to L.A. now. And so the so the question is, if they lose, do they trade love? Do they make a good trade with love? Do they make a trade with love that helps them compete? You know, I don't know. I don't think he leaves. It's hard. It, 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 it would have been really hard. It's tough to do the whole narrative of 2014. I'm I'm home. I know. This is my quest I know nobody nobody calls him on that because you can't. Yeah. But I think it was a combination of Kyrie leaving because he knew that he wasn't gonna be able to do it in Cleveland. Brian Winhorst. Thanks for being on Book of Basketball 2.0. This was an absolute pleasure.